Okie dokie folks, welcome to the Roots Report podcast presented by Motif Magazine and sponsored by Rhode Island Blood Center, Mother Earth Wellness, Trinity Brewhouse, Rhode Island Energy, and R1 Indoor Karting. I am your host, John Fusick. Today we have comedian Jeff Allen. He is known for his comedy specials, Honor Thy Wife, and I can laugh about it now. He recently released a book titled, Are We There Yet? Jeff Allen will be at the Stadium Theater in Woonsocket on Saturday, November 25th. Hi, is this Jeff? This is him. Hi, this is John Fusick from Motif Magazine. How are you? Not too bad. How are you doing? All right. So, uh, I watched a couple of your specials last night on, uh, I had a hard time because my typical technology stuff, and I know, I think we're in the same age bracket, but the technology (laughs) stuff that was irritating the shit out of me because I don't know how many times I turned on Honor Thy Wife and, uh, Amazon kept quitting on me. I, it was like a half dozen (laughs) times before it was like. It took me probably an hour to get to watch that thing last night, just because it well, kept... You have no idea how happy I am that we're doing this on the phone and not Zoom. I have to go up to McDonald's to do Zoom, because <laughs> my Wi-Fi is so bad here. And uh, and then yesterday, I ordered a thing from at and It was supposed to boost my thing, and I take, I put it in, and now nothing works. Our Alexas don't work. Our, our Roku doesn't work. My wife is having a fit. I go, for 60 years, we turned the lights off manually, you know? Yeah. We, we don't, give me a day to figure this out. Oh, my know? gosh. So Technology. I, know, I, know, I feel your pain. Oh, man. my gosh. It drives me crazy. But I was glad I got, I finally did get to watch him. I watched Honor Thy Wife, and I can laugh about it now. I watched those two last night. And they were very funny. Oh, I, I enjoyed them quite a bit. Now, I Thank think you. those were both dry bar humor, dry bar change. Yes, dry bar. Yeah, dry bar changed my life. Now they're, it was like, now they're in Utah. They're like alcohol-free venue, right? Yeah, that's why it's called dry bar. Right, yeah, right. They, um, you know, where they film it. Yeah, Provo. I think they film out of Provo. Now, you are, you the, make no secret that you've been in AA and you had an alcoholic problem at one point. Yeah. Yeah, when I lived out there, I was in Boston. Uh, I got sober in Boston in the 80s. And after about a year, I came to my wife and told her, if I'm going to stay sober, I got to get out of this city, man. <laughs> I had too many, too many friends and demons. And yeah, so we started in Jersey. And then it makes you want to drink twice as much when you live in Jersey. <laughs> now, you're originally from Chicago? Yeah. Okay. South side, yeah. And now you live in Nashville. Right. We've been in Nashville for twenty over twenty five years. Yeah, I think I, I one of the one of the bits in the specials said you you were living in a like a community that had a neighborhood association and you didn't like that. Yes. So you went to Nashville yeah. and you were looking for directions and you pulled up and you saw people standing around a burning couch and you said, We're home. Right. <laughs> We're home, baby. Yeah, no homeowners around here. She said there's not even a conscience. I mean, these people have no conscience. Yeah. So uh it was a, what part it of was Nash- a good move. We what, we love it. What part of Nashville are you in? Uh Fairview. It's about thirty minutes. Uh it's it's the uh, Nashville's an interesting animal because it's so hilly that there's certain parts of the city that can't really be developed, overdeveloped because of the mountains. So uh, we live west side, and 30 minutes out, you're like in a completely different world, you know. A matter of fact, when I moved out here, my friends that lived, you know, closer to Nashville, go, why are you moving so far out? I go, 30 minutes. 
where, where have you lived in your life? My God. I mean, must live in Rhode Island. In LA, it was an hour commute, you know? Well, Rhode Islanders are like that. If we have to travel more than five minutes for something, we're like, we're not going to bother. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, yeah, that's, well, it's city living then. Because, um, yeah, when we live out here, I'm 30, 35 minutes without traffic to the airport. That's, that's fine. Yeah, I think uh, Kathleen and, Madigan lives out there, or stays out there or has a house out there sometimes, and she does. She likes it for the same reason. You're very close to the airport. It's a good hub. Yeah, and it's bordered by seven states. So um, I've told my managers uh, since COVID, I said, uh, anything inside five or six hours, I'll drive. I mean, driving today, man, with podcasts and things is, is a breeze. My wife gets mad at me because I watch Caddyshack all the time when I drive at night. <laughs> and, uh, she says you're going to smack into a pole, and they're going to hear Bill Murray coming through the through the thing. And I go, I don't care, man. I I, I just know enough to look at the parts I like. You know, I've seen it, you know, ten times. So I mean, I just it keeps me awake, you know. No, and, I uh, I get it. <laughs> That's great. So I read on your bio that. You you have a reference to Jerry Seinfeld who said, "Why be funny for three hundred people in a club when you can be funny for three hundred million people?" Now, can you put that into context? Where did that quote come from, and how did it come about? Well, we were. I had done, I've only met him once. I was doing a show in Jersey back um, in the eighties, and he had at the sitcom. Very funny. We were sitting waiting for our checks, so we talked for about an hour. One of the things he said, he goes, I just did a sitcom pilot. I go, what's it about? He, he actually said nothing. It's really about nothing. <laughs> so I saw the episode. I went, well, I can, I can tell you, it's not even anecdotal. I heard it directly from the horse's mouth. But we were talking about just comedy in general. You know, uh, I was, you know, my material, the content was always clean. I just cussed a lot. So anyway, his, his theory on comedy was always about getting on the box. That's what he called it, getting on television, the box. You know, and back in the 80s, you know, there was no internet. So you, you had to get on The Tonight Show or Letterman. Or um, I remember hearing a story. Jay Leno was holding court in um, at the Improv in, in L.A., and one of the comics was complaining that he couldn't get on The Tonight Show. And Leno goes, change. <laughs> he goes, change what? Change whatever you're doing. And he goes, why would I do that? He goes, well, you want to get on the show. They don't like what you're doing change what you're doing that was the problem there were like three or four gatekeepers that determined what the country saw for stand-up comedy so jerry's attitude was i'm you know i can do dirty material but it won't get me on the tonight show and it won't get me on letterman and that's where the eyeballs are that's yeah. where the you know the, the numbers of people you know and it made perfect sense to me i mean you're, you're right and i had nothing in my act that i was married to that i thought well i gotta do this you know so i you know i started working it was a, num a handful of years later but i started uh, I, I started cleaning up my language when my fourth fourth grade son i got called to school he cussed his teacher out or something <laughs> And I sat across from her and I said, I'd love to look you in the eye and tell you I have no idea where that child heard that kind of language. <laughs> the truth is, my wife and I have a little salty tongues at home. So driving home, my wife said, you know, that's a reflection on us. It's not very pretty coming out of a fourth grader. Mm. So anyway, I decided to pay the kids a quarter for every cuss word that came out of my mouth. Which, you know, And um, basically, it's how I funded their college. But... Uh, <laughs> It was uh, it was interesting to have the, the ears, you know, because I, I think I wasn't conscious of what came out of my mouth. 
And that was one of the things I said to my son because he goes, I didn't mean it. And I said, so what you're telling me is you have no control what comes out of your mouth. If it just pops in, you got to say it. So if that was a six foot three, 250 pound man, you would have said the same thing. He goes, probably not. I said, so you do have control. <laughs> and driving home, I thought, you know what? He's right. I, you know, that's right. I, I do have control. So I, let's see. And, and then as a storyteller from a stand up point, it made me much better because I had to get a thesaurus out. And uh, my father told me, uh, you know, when I was a kid, because I was cussing a lot and he didn't say anything because he's, he's not going to change. So he said, I'm not going to be a hypocrite, but, you know, but it's lazy. It's intellectually lazy. And I could say this. My father had the most when he looked up a word that he didn't know what it meant. It was always in the unabridged dictionary. He couldn't find it in the abridged. I mean, my father had a tremendous vocabulary. I mean, his ability to slice someone in half verbally, I mean, was I've never seen it paralleled. I mean, he was vicious but he cussed you know he's a construction worker he cussed all the time so anyway uh eugene deb said uh you know that um, profanity gives people permission not to hear what you have to say and i learned that firsthand because of bill collectors you know they'd call me and i'd get angry with them and i was fine as soon as i cussed they'd hang up <laughs> so i learned that you know if you if you don't want them to hang up you want them to hear what you have to say don't cuss at them so uh anyway that's kind of how i cleaned everything up i just uh it became a challenge and then i realized that it made me better at what i do it is it is a hard thing to do i mean i'm right now i just came in from outside i've been outside working on my truck and so i ran inside to do this podcast and i'm outside and you know i drop a tool or i mess something up and (laughs) you should hear the profanities that come out of my mouth and i'm sure that the whole neighborhood hears them because they just blur it right out because i i I mean there's nobody around but i'm just like blasted i'm the same way i I hit a golf ball it goes 60 yards right the first words out of my mouth begins with f you know i mean as soon as it leaves the club as soon as it leaves the club and i go oops you know you know so and my wife t- will tell you that when I get angry, I, I have no self-control. Well, I think it's we're all like there, that. But yeah, I don't, you know, I don't apologize for it. You know, yeah, I mean, uh, it's how you're wired. But uh, yeah, and uh, for work, you know, and I and I also say that words have meanings, and there's a there's a, a well-placed cuss word. I mean, if you're looking to anger somebody to the point of punching you, I mean, that, there's some words that you could use. Oh yeah, you know. To, to facilitate that, you know. One of the things you said in, in one of your comedy specials, I don't remember which one, was, was you know, going back to, the, you know, paying them a quarter for each time you cuss. But you said, like, with your kids, when you were raising your kids, you said that, I mean, I don't know if this is true, if it was a joke, but it was it was taken as something that was interesting, is that, said, if, you, if we have a problem or I do something weird, you know, teaching you when you're growing up, write it down, have me initial it, and later on, <laughs> we'll take it to therapy, and it'll be much easier that way. Yeah, that was, uh, I, I did say that to my children. They were, they were talking about, you know, I, Tammy and I used to laugh. We'd go, I'd love to be in the first therapy session our children have <laughs> to hear what their complaints are, you know. I wanted Reeboks. He got me Nikes. I mean, you know. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, that was uh, basically because of the generation, you know, I got in recovery and everybody that was around me in the 80s and early 90s was blaming their parents for everything, which is simple, except, you know, I I learned to lighten up on my parents after having children of my own. You know, it's not an easy thing to do to raise children. (laughs) So when when they start complaining about things, they go write it down, date it, initial it, you know, and then when 
that way I can put it in a book, and when we get to therapy, I can just breeze right through it. Here, I did all this stuff with my initials next to it, and I'll be at the golf course. I mean, what do you, what do you want from me, you know? And, uh, you know, the funniest story about all that, I mean, I, and it's well documented. I got a book out, and uh, the first six chapters, I tell audiences, if you can get through that without killing yourself, it's an uplifting tale. But, now, is this uh, the Are We There Yet book? Are We There Yet book, Now, yeah. that just and, came uh, out, right? It, yeah, September. Okay. Yeah, yeah and, and it's uh, a lot. It's our it's our life. The first seven or eight years of our marriage was hell, you know, and um, we, we did manage to get out the other end on it. But one of the things that, God, I, I'm losing my mind. I'm telling you, I, I had a train of thought. We were talking about the kids. Yeah, it happens to me all the time. Don't worry about it. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's been, I happened the other night. I was at a theater in Boca, and I got into something, and I stopped, and I went, oh, my gosh, man, you know? That's not good. Well, I'm, I'm a I'm a singer songwriter, and I have to like my own songs that I've written. I I have to like have the words in front of me because I can't remember them. I mean, I, when I perform, I have to have cheat yeah. notes. I can't remember. I mean, I'm 62, and it's just you know I can't remember shit anymore. It's just the way it is. I mean, well, uh, it's funny you say that. I I because people go, how do you remember? I said, I don't do the same show every night. If I had to, if I scripted it, I'd be in trouble. And that's why when I, when I did America's Got Talent, I've been telling this story on stage. I go up there, I got 90 seconds, and I do one line, two lines, and the third line is gone. I can't remember my third line. And I stand there like an idiot, and I go to Simon Cowell. I said, can I take, you know, I just had a brain thing. Can I start over? He goes, oh, sure. We're taping. Don't worry about it. <laughs> so I start again. Line one, line two, third line is gone. Now I'm panicking, you know, and we went through this whole thing. And it's, I wrote this. This is my material. I mean, it's not, you know, it's not like they gave me a script and said, here, do this. I mean, it was like, and it took me uh, the third time it came to me. I mean, while well, uh, they were giving me water and I was trying to clear my head and the third line, it finally came to me. But And then I was good all the way through. But um, it's when I script things and that's why when when I do television, I worry if they if the producers get involved and go here. We need to know everything you're doing. Which mm. so far, I've been, you know, I don't do. I haven't done Letterman and Tonight Show. I heard they're pretty hands on about it. But um, you know, the Huckabee Show and shows that I've done, um, they don't care. They just say do four minutes, okay, and uh, they trust you to get it to get it done. Well, I mean, I've seen comedians come out with a music stand with a notepad and leave that on, and I've seen them reference yeah. the notepad. I mean, just like a musician has uh, music on their music stand, I see people with outlines of their performance, so they make sure they get it through it. And I've seen people actually reference it. I don't, I can't remember who did it, but I, I saw a couple of people that were quite famous comedians have a music stand and reference it a couple of times. Oh wow! When I when I put the dry bar specials together, and um, I'll I'll come out with a notepad, and I don't hide it at all. I walk over, look. You know, and uh, I said, I'm not going to pretend. I used to, when I was drinking the late shows, I was usually so trashed I couldn't remember anything. I'd have a napkin under the beer bottle <laughs> with notes on it. So I'd always go over, take a sip of beer, you know, and uh, look at the notes. Oh, but, well, that um, worked. You know, my wife's been pushing me to take notes out. She goes, you need to get tighter. But, you know, like for the show Saturday and Woonsocket, I'm, I'm going to do an hour and a half. Wow. You know, it doesn't have to be tight, you know. I mean, it's, you know, you take some time, you talk to the people, you know, and, and you veer off and, you know, and, and it fits me. I am scatterbrained. <laughs> and, but there's no pressure, 
you know i mean they don't know what i forgot or didn't do or exactly you know you know and um well paula poundstone she's the same way i I talked to her last week and you know no none of her shows are like either she just gets up there and riffs on stage and talks to the audience and it just takes her wherever it goes yeah and i have you know again i have three hours of stuff to, to in my skull somewhere and it's interesting how certain things pop up i did a routine the other night i bet you i haven't done it in five or six years and I, I just go, holy cow! I, you know, I told the audience, I have not done that in five or six years. <laughs> you know, and you know, it's funny because my wife is always pushing me to, to to not post things that are old. And I go, well, you write me ten new minutes. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Carlin. I read Carlin used to go out and try to do a minute a week. Every every week he tried to create a new minute, and then at the end of the year he had an HBO special. Hmm. It's. A, perfect if you're disciplined and organized right yeah seinfeld's really i guess he used to just set a timer and every day like at 11 whatever the time was um he would write and he had a calendar that he would put these red x's on so the cult point was to never break the chain of red x's Hmm. and um i did that i never made more than 12 (laughs) um but 12 days in a row i mean you know but that's you know you look at it and it was so disappointing when i broke it that uh i never went back to it (laughs) well you know i know being a songwriter is that my ideas come from everywhere i just you know they they come from life and i i'm constantly writing stuff down so if i'm out somewhere and i hear something or i see something and i want to and it makes me reference something in my head i write write it down and that's that's my way of writing is that i'm always doing that i'm always taking notes on life and that's you know that's just the way i write yeah i'm the same way i'll I'll, uh hear something or tammy and i'll have a conversation and i'll think oh i could use that you know, I wrote a story the um, about having a physical. She makes me get a physical, and two weeks later, she calls me and says, the doctor's office called with your test results. You know, and I always tell the guy in the audience, that's why you don't put your wife's name on the HIPAA form. <laughs> you know, uh, that call comes to me. I'm still eating cheesecake today. <laughs> you know, but I said, all right, what'd they say? And she said that, uh, I'll paraphrase, the doctor said, if you were part of a wildebeest herd, the lions would be circling you right now. <laughs> and that came from the fact that she came home from the doctor one day, and I said, so what'd he say? She goes, oh, Jeff, God, I'm in terrible shape. If I was a, if I was in a wildebeest herd, the lions would be coming after me. <laughs> and I just, I wrote it down. I go, babe, that's great. That's a she great goes, what? I said, you know, that's a gem. That's a, I'll build a story around that. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, it's just a great line. Now, one of the things I I saw in I don't know if it was the I don't know if it was your specials, but I saw uh, uh, I think it might have been a quick YouTube clip I I watched and it said something about when you met your wife. She was a smoker, and you said she had a she had a the best laugh because smokers have the best laugh. Yeah, when you cannot get oxygen into your lungs, that is a music to a comic. <laughs> I said all that gagging, gasping, wheezing that annoys most people it's a symphony of joy to me. <laughs> so yeah that's uh, that was the opening of my book i uh, talked about meeting her in a club and then i proposed to marry her uh, at cleveland baggage claim uh, i wanted to i wanted to read her to fall in love with my romantic side i was on a red eye and i probably had you know i don't know it was red eye so i was trashed and uh, halfway across the country i decided i was going to ask her to marry me when we landed 
I'd known her for three months. She had a two-year-old when I met her. And uh, and if anybody is listening to this right now that's under 30, I don't recommend this, okay? <laughs> you you want to do something on impulse, buy some shoes. You can always take those bags. <laughs> now, how long have you been, you been married? You've been married 32 years? 37 years. Oh, 37. Yeah. Wow, that's a long Just time. Just had it uh, last July. Yeah, yeah considering... Uh, 30 years ago, I think it was, we were 10 minutes from divorce court. Wow. We were filing papers, had them notarized, you know, yeah. Now, how are things? And, uh, things good now? Oh, yeah. That's been, yeah, it's, I, I can't imagine what my last 30 years would have been like without her. Wow. Well, that's a good I just, thing. Uh, I wasn't ready to get married. I got, you know, again, I was a drug addict and an alcoholic, you know, and I, that's what I said. I said if they had dating apps back in 1985 when I met Tammy, my profile would have read alcoholic drug addict with rage issues looking for single female to overlook the aforementioned character flaws. <laughs> I was I, I was quite the catch it turned out quite the catch now who who was it that was it her that encouraged you to clean up or was it yourself or is a certain situation or uh, circumstances I, I I'll tell you one story I was coming out of Nick's comedy club in Boston um, and uh, I was in front of the club doing cocaine oh jeez and and somebody raps on the window. I look up, and it's Boston police. Anyway, they get me out of the car. They see I'm doing coke. They cuff me. They put me in the cruiser. And the, the guy doing security uh, was an off-duty Boston cop. He comes out to smoke a cigarette, and he sees me sitting in the back of the cruiser, and he says to the cop, what's he doing there? And uh, he said, well, he's doing cocaine. We're going to take him in. And he goes, I'll let him go. He's one of the comedians. As if that's a get-out-of-jail-free card. <laughs> You know, and it turns out it was. Oh, that's it good. It was. They got me out of the car. They took the cuffs off, and he said, "You have no idea how lucky you are." Yeah, really. The DA DA is up for re-election, and they love white suburban boys right before election. <laughs> and uh, you were you were looking at three to five. Oh, jeez. You know? Well, you got lucky. Yeah. So uh, that's that was the beginning, and then uh, another one. I was driving the wrong way on ninety three. Oh, jeez. Boston, I got drunk and I went up the wrong ramp was driving into fortunately it was Boston it was 2 in the morning there weren't a lot of cars out got home I don't know how I think I wound up going to the it was bad and then uh, I spanked my 6 month old in the, in the crib and um, that was it for me I told Tammy I, when I realized what I could have done to my son you know I was all coked up and boozed up and got angry and you know um, she took him from me and sat on the end of the bed and fed him and I thought that the shame that washed over me my god you know I just looked at her and I said you got I need help you know well, and that was it that's a good thing that you got it yeah it is you know it is uh, life is much better and I got um, two of the grandkids are over today uh, for Thanksgiving yeah so what there were two things that I thought were pretty funny that you like it, it was uh I don't remember which special it was but you started off eating a fudgicle and then you were drinking out of a glass or doing something with a glass that had you know the smoke coming out of it and i was you know at the beginning of it it's like what the heck is this all about and then you watch the special and then it was like oh. you're talking to your son and he said i could kill you six ways with a popsicle stick because he was in the oh, military right. yeah that came home from the military right and he he said yeah, you asked was, him to I get a job let me teach you a skill yeah, yeah that was it yeah, because he came home to reacclimate. That was what he said. And, uh, yeah, after about 19 months of the reacclimating process, uh, Tammy says, uh, go down and talk to him. You know, so I said, you know, he was 26 at the time. I said, you know, pause your video game. I need to chat. 
and uh, anyway, yeah, that was it. And I said, the Army teach you a, a viable skill, something you can use to get employment, move out. You know, we want grandchildren. You know, we've earned grandchildren. <laughs> and we worship a God of miracles. We believe, you know, out of four billion women, he's chosen one of them for you to breed with somewhere. <laughs> She's just not going to fall through the vent down here in the basement <laughs> and land in your lap, you know. So, did you learn anything? He said, yeah, I can kill you six ways with a popsicle stick. That's what, yeah. yeah. And then I go upstairs and Tammy says, what do you say? He said, get rid of the fudge sickles. He's on a diet. <laughs> now, the other yeah, thing. I remember that. I haven't done that in a while. Yeah. Yeah, the other thing that I thought was pretty funny was, you know, I I did shit like this when I was a kid, too. I mean, I mean, you referenced a lot of stuff that. You know, people of our age, our generation, boomers, did when we were growing up. You know, we just basically, you know, talked about the slide and the slide at the playground. But the funny thing was, it's like, you know, you wanted dry ice because you heard that if you put it in a jar, it would explode. And you went yeah. to the ice cream man and he gave you dry ice. Yeah. He said, yeah what are you going to use it for? We're putting it in this jar, put the lid on, it's going to blow up because, well, here's your dry ice. That's right. <laughs> Can you imagine now you'd have 72 forms you'd have to sign? And yeah, no way. They're not going to give a kid dry ice. And then you your know. mother had to pick the glass out of your forehead. Right, yes. And there were shards of glass in my head. My father goes, how'd that happen? <laughs> so, well, someone told me you put dry ice in a ball jar, it'll blow up. Because so you sat there staring at that jar just waiting for it to blow up. Don't and try this I at did. home. And, yeah, and that's <laughs> when he punched me. He said, uh, you know, am I raising a moron? I go, I... I could see how you'd think that. <laughs> yeah, that's all my father ever said to me. Am I raising a moron? Why do you moron? Why am I raising a moron? You know, so, yeah. yeah, I think I think fathers of that generation use that term a lot. Yeah, they a lot. Yeah, they asked the Japanese businessman. I heard this in an interview. I don't know, probably on the internet somewhere. But anyway, he said, "What would what would your father in Japan say if you told him you loved him?" And the businessman said, "He'd say I was in America too long." <laughs> Yeah, you know, I don't know why it's such a, you know, damaging thing for the father to wrap his meat hooks around his kid and just go, "I love you, man." You know, uh, I mean, it's, I it's the macho the shit thing. in the in the United States. Everything's everything's about being macho. Everything's you know, big trucks and yeah. being macho. It's just what you're fed. Nobody nobody can be themselves. They have to compensate somehow. Right. So. Well, so Wall Street, man. Yeah, that's yeah. true. So uh, you're doing the show on Saturday night. Uh, I am. You're going to be doing, uh, just by the way, <laughs> not to give you shit about it, but it's one socket, not wound socket. It's one socket, just so they don't one get... Socket. So it's like pivoty. It's like pivoty. Yeah. And, uh, you don't... So yeah. that way nobody makes fun of you in, in one socket when you say, when you get to say, you say... Good evening, wooden socket. It's, it's one okay, socket. I'm glad you said that because I'm putting a video out today um, to promote it. So the yeah, socket. just say um, one socket, not wound socket. One socket. I'm calling it a wind sock. It's nice to be a wind socket, man. You know, wind socket. They said, glad you told me though. They yeah, use the expression I, 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 side by each too. Really? That's the that's oh, an expression they use in one socket side by each. Or they used to. I don't know. They I don't know if they still do. But when I was growing up, that I was that was always synonymous with one socket, where they parked the cars side by each. So. Side by each. Wow, that's interesting. <laughs> but yeah. I don't know. That's who knows. Yeah, I lived with the wicked pisser in uh, <laughs> Boston. I was uh, wicked pisser. It's it's New England. It's New England. So you're gonna do about a 90 yeah, minute show. Yeah. 
and yeah, uh, 90 minutes. it's going to be a lot of it's just going to be off the cuff, you said, right? You're going to be talking to the audience. Well, no, I mean, I, I, it's it's stuff that I do. I just don't do it in any particular order. Oh, okay. And I have been kind of locked in, certainly the opening 35 or 40 minutes. I've been probably doing that for a couple months now. So, And I kind of know where I'm starting. I know where I'm ending. And uh, everything in between, I just, you know, kind of get a feel, you know. And I don't do politics. I, I got a, one crack I make about our current president and um it's not even a, a crack you know it's a, a recall on my father-in-law my father-in-law all he wants to do is watch gun smoke and eat ice cream and, uh, <laughs> and then i'm watching president biden do the state of the union and i just look at tammy and go does he look like he'd be a lot happier watching gun smoke and eat ice cream <laughs> you know? Just, he looks tired, man. That's all. It's well, just, we're overworked. We're all overworked. I don't know how anybody wants to do anything. I mean, I'm tired at this age. I can't imagine being that age. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I did. I had five months off because of COVID. I have been unemployed for five months since I was 15. Well, that's that's not and, even that uh, long compared to in COVID terms. I mean, most people have oh, a year no, and a gosh, half off. No. I have friends that retired. They were cruise uh, comics, and they just decided, you know what? So I went out on the road. Clubs were opening up at 25% capacity. And I, my manager calls. He goes, you know, you're not going to make much money. And I said, I don't care. I got to get out of the house. You know, my joke was Tammy at 30 days comes to me and says, I've been waiting to say this. You have not been home 30 consecutive days in our entire marriage. And I go, that's not true. She goes, I've been waiting to say it. <laughs> Welcome home. And I said, well, by day 45, we were both Googling lawyers. <laughs> I was going nuts. And then settled in after a couple months. I was playing golf three, four days a week and really enjoyed it. Mowing my own lawn for a change, you know, and, and doing stuff around the house. And, um, I, so anyway, I go on the road and do a couple clubs, come home and told her. I really believe if I had the money, I would if maybe not fully retire, but I'd certainly cut way, way back on what I'm doing. Uh, the travels a grind. Yeah, that's what I when I talk to musicians, they love playing, they love the performance. It's yeah. the travel that kills everybody. It's just that's hard. I mean, I got to go to the hardware store, which is a mile and a half. When I get off the phone with you, I don't even feel like doing that. <laughs> yeah, I got to. I got to take my car to the car wash. My grandson vomited all over the oh, outside of it. Uh, yeah, he's 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 in I don't get it. I, is there any kind of warning? We were sitting on the couch. This was like a couple of months ago. He's just sitting there. His dad comes over to pick him up, and Caden's just sitting there, and all of a sudden, bloop, he just vomits all over the freaking place. And I, Caden, there's no warning? No, like, I got to, you know, get halfway to the bathroom before it comes? I mean, so anyway, in the car, uh, you know, my granddaughter goes, Caden just threw up. And I went, what? You know, and... So anyway, I got to get it to the car wash. And it's raining. So Tammy goes, you're going to wash the car in the rain? I go, I'm washing the puke off the car. <laughs> <You know? laughs> at least he didn't get it on the inside. He was he at least had the window open. Well, that's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, so Saturday night at, at the Stadium Theater, Winsocket, uh, should be a great Winsocket, show. Winsocket. Yeah. Yes. And uh, yeah, sounds like it's going to be a great show. I'll, I'll see if I can get there. I got to see if I finish my... I've been so busy lately trying to get some projects done outside. It's I'm freezing my ass off outside trying to get this done before. Yeah, it's I cold. Go. I checked to see if I could play golf because I'm coming in Friday. Yeah, it's it's I'm cold. I hook up with a couple of old friends. Um, well, my golf. my violin player in my band and my old bass player for my band they play golf in the winter time. So you can play golf if you're hardy enough. So. 
Yeah, I do. I just at this time of year, it's interesting when it's fifty or forty-five. I, you know, nah. But by January, if it's fifty or forty-five, I'm out. You got to acclimate. That's it. Got to acclimate. You gotta acclimate. It's very important. All right, Jeff. Well, I appreciate the conversation. Yeah, thanks. Bye-bye. Okie dokie. Thanks to comedian Jeff Allen for being part of this episode of the Roots Report podcast. Allen will bring his Are We There Yet tour to the Stadium Theater in Woonsocket on Saturday, November 25th. For more, get messed up to meaningful at stadiumtheater.com. That's S-T-A-D-I-U-M-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.com. The Roots Report podcast is presented by Motif Magazine and sponsored by Rhode Island Blood Center, Mother Earth Wellness, Trinity Brewhouse, Rhode Island Energy, and R1 Indoor Karting. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.